0: Good morning everybody. Hey, um I am so glad um that we sang that last song and I'm gonna skip a little bit ahead of this and um I'm gonna skip a little bit ahead right here at my intro and just say um I put a quote in here from from this, this guy, his name is Watchman Nee. Um and as we were singing that song this this line came to my mind that I put in here. It says, says, watch my knee in regards to, especially the book of Ephesians, but really just God. He says, you know, I invite you at the very outset to sit down and enjoy, sit down at the feet of Jesus and enjoy what God has done for us. And just singing that song going like, what would it be like just to sit at the feet of Jesus? And just to hear his stories about things he's done for us in the shadows that we had no clue about, about all the angels that fought battles for us that we didn't even see the Bible talks about, all the, all the disease coming our way that we should have gotten, but he's like, no, no, ninja chop it away, whatever, you know, ninja chop. I don't know why that video's in my mind right now, give him a ninja chop. But just to sit at the feet of Jesus and just to hear the stories. Like, I, I often picture, like, like myself in heaven, like, sitting next to Moses and say, and say, tell me what it was like. Tell me what it was like. Or sitting beside John and going, dude, fill me in. Like, what was it like to literally see the miracles happen in person? But I really look forward to the day that I can lay my crown at Jesus' feet and, says, and say, I'm not here for my blessing. I'm just glad to be, like, our reward is Jesus, y'all. You with me? All this other stuff that we that that happens in our lives, the good, the blessings that we receive, that's extra. But we have Jesus. But here we are in week two of our walk through the book of Ephesians. And last week we talked about how, um, how the gospel tells us if you look at the life of Christ, it tells us that we have value to our Creator. We have value. Like, I don't know, maybe somebody here needs to hear this this morning because you weren't here last week, but you are valuable to your creator to the point that he bought you with his life. Greater love has no man than this, than he who laid down his life for his friend. He lowered himself, became a human, while still being God. This is a huge mystery, and laid down his life for us, which left us in this position as Christians co-heirs with Christ or you can say it like this as children of God and today we're in my favorite chapter of my favorite book in the entirety of the Bible like the first sermon I ever preached was this chapter years ago I was just this little scrawny thought I knew it all youth pastor watch yourself awesome I thought I knew it all and but this like I read this chapter all the time all the time because it leaves me so grateful that's one of the reasons why we put I thank God at the beginning. I'm so grateful for the reality that this chapter tells me where I came from because me if I'm not really that bad of a person like I'm a good person I'm like I'm great like I don't really I don't cuss out anybody when they cut me out off in traffic I don't like, I don't argue with people while I'm in the shower. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't do either. I'm good. I'm good. No, you're not. Because even when Jesus said, was said was called, hey, good teacher, he asked the question, why do you call me good? Because no one is good except for God. And actually, you're you're far worse than good. You're not even bad. You're dead. You're dead. Like, I am so, like, this chapter, like, every, like it brings tears to my eyes every time I read it. Because it shows the reality of how far gone I really was and how far gone you really were or are now currently. But there's a reward. Not a reward that we've earned because we don't get a participation trophy in this one. It's all because of what Christ has done. But it shows the reality of how far gone I really was to, to now being seated. And I want you to hear me say this. Seated with Christ in glory. Like you hear preachers talk about that and you're just like, oh, that's cool, I'm going to have a seat in glory. No, no, no. You're side by side with Christ. But it shows the reality of how far gone we really are to now seated with Christ as believers. See, the good news of the gospel isn't that, that God makes bad people good, but it's that Christ brings dead people to life. He brings dead people to life. We have resurrection power flowing through our veins. And today I want to use these words, as I've already said, from watching me when he, when he says in his, this little cool book that Tanya Estep ordered for me as a gift, and I really appreciate it because it is awesome. that He says that he invites you to, to, on the very outset to sit down and enjoy what God has done for us. Which, you want to know what he's done for us? He has unwrapped the grave clothes. He has unwrapped the grave clothes. That's the title of today, and I'm just ready to get going. Because I love this chapter. I love it. Ephesians chapter 2, our, this is what our friend Paul writes to us. He says this, he says, and you are dead in your trespasses and sins. In which you once walked. And I love that word "once" because I'm not there anymore. If you're walking around with dead things in your life, you shouldn't, because they're not dead anymore. So quit. You're, I love. I'm going to use Mayla's quote again from her blog. You're a Christian. Live like it. <laughs> Walk like you have life. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is where all of us in this room or maybe listening online, once were or are now currently separated from God. Dead, separated from the source of life, and the question becomes, can dead people do anything about their situation? If I was at a funeral and I said, all Betty has to do is sit up, and why Betty died this week, I don't know, but, but all Betty has to do is sit up and she'll be fine. You would look at me like I'm an idiot. He's been sipping the communion wine a little too much. Because dead people can't do anything to fix themselves, can they? They needed someone to intervene. In fact, our sin has caused this separation because we all, according to this, Even if we had the choice, we would all choose open rebellion against the God who created us. I mean, I wouldn't do that. If Jesus is right here, I'd be like, oh, Lord, no, 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 no. Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God on a daily basis, side by side. And what did they do? They still chose rebellion over their creator. You can't say, I'm good, Derek. I would choose Jesus every day. No, 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 no. You choose open rebellion every day and it's that, it's our sin that caused us to be at war with the very God that created us A war that we would lose. We also lack hope, assurance of a, of a future, and we deserve everything that's coming our way because we openly choose or chose rebellion against God. But I love the next two words of verse 4. I love like words like therefore because you have to look back and see what they're there for, but I also love these next two words. Because who doesn't like the word but? Joe knows I'm talking about. I figured I'd get some chuckles out of that preacher humor. Come on. But then verse four says this: But God, even though you were this, or you are now currently this, dead, separated from God, but God being what rich in mercy—that means it's never ending, it's immeasurable, like it never runs out. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us. See, that's what. See, the church is known for too much hate. You with me? Like, we, like if, if God loved us enough to take us from that verse, those first three verses to where he's taking us, then we can do that for other people. We can be gracious and merciful to other people. So if you're not going to do that, sit down and shut up. You with me? If you're, tired, if you're not showing love, then that's... Sorry, I mean, I'm like... Sorry, I'm going to move on. There's no room for hatred in the heart of a believer. Just saying it. Well, I don't hate the person. I hate this. No, 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 don't even go there. That's an excuse to hate the person, so don't even say that. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were what? Dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have been saved. When, when did we get redemption? When did deliverance happen? While we were still dead, when we couldn't do anything ourselves when we couldn't clean ourselves up, when we couldn't do this, that's why the argument of, let me just get my life together before I go to church or go to God. No, 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 no. You can't. You're dead. Redemption happens. Deliverance happens. While we were still dead, separated from him, even though because of our sin we were enemies of God, even though because of our sin we couldn't do anything to fix it, we have these two words, but God. Because chapter one, you have value, even though you need to be cleaned up, you're in, you're, you need to be pulled out of the dirt, it says God, but God, This says no matter how far you've gotten, no matter how bad the enemy has convinced you, you are, Christ, it just tells us that Christ knew how screwed up we would be and he still made a way. How many of your sins were future sins when Christ went to the cross? All of them. All of them. Even that one that's in your mind that you're thinking about right now. that one that you did yesterday, that one, that one he knew about. The one you're going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And a year from now, ten years from now, he, like all of those are future sins when Christ went to the cross. Like he knew how screwed up we, me and you would be and he still made a way. That's why we can approach the throne with boldness and say, Father, let me just sit here at your feet. I'm sorry. And he's full of grace and mercy that we full pours out on us. This is is what church people call grace. Grace. You're like, Derek, grace, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. He gave us grace, which means unmerited favor. It's kind of like when Zane and Lyric make a really bad test grade, I have two options, especially since I work at the school. You're going to detention, I'm giving you a whipping, you're going to tutoring, or I could say, you know what, you didn't prepare yourself for this, you didn't like, you didn't do what you're supposed to, but guess what, we're still going to go get ice cream. That's grace. Giving us something that we didn't deserve or didn't earn. Grace is unmerited favor, which means you can't do anything to earn it. No matter how good of a boy or girl you've been. You did nothing to earn it. And we, he did that so that we couldn't take credit, because if we could take credit, we are prideful people. I love these next couple verses. I love it. For he raised us raised us from the dead along with Christ. Along with who? When Christ rose from the dead, we rose with him as believers. Everything that's dead that you think is dead in your life, those dreams, those goals, those visions you have for your life, they're not dead. Because we, we serve a living Savior. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. That's us seated with Him in glory because we are united with Christ Jesus. Who are we united with? Not a political party, not, not a doctrinal party, not a theological genre. No, we are united with Christ. We are united with Christ. So God... I love this. So that God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all, in all he has done for us who are united with Jesus Christ, who are united with Christ. We've, we've done all this. He's brought us from death to life so that he can point at us and brag. Actually, you can say it like this. I know some of y'all need to hear, hear this this morning. Like an earthly father, God, God the Father will glow over us. He'll say, look at my children. That's my son. That's my daughter. Some of y'all need to hear this stuff. Your your heavenly father is proud of you. Your heavenly father is proud of you. Well, I feel like a failure. Well, don't, because he thinks you're a champion. So we've been told all of our lives, you need to believe in God, you need to believe in God. Well, what about the fact that he believes in us? And not to the point, you know what, I'm going to go sacrifice my life for them. Your heavenly father is proud of you, not because of something you've done or not done, but because you are his sons and daughters through grace that we've received through faith in Christ. He goes on to say this. I love Paul. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one can boast. Let me, just, let me break this down. So even the faith to believe was given to you. Like he's like, you know what? You like if it was up to you, you would never believe. So here's here's like a pre-gift. Here's a little bit of faith for you to believe. Here's a little bit of faith. Look, because if if it was up to us, one, we wouldn't choose him because of our open rebellion. But two, because if we if we if we did, we would it would look. It would be like, look at what I've done, not what God has done. Because listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release some weight off your shoulders. It's not about you. Breathe. It's not about you. It's about Him. Look at what He's done. That's why every time you try, you fail. Because you're not resting in the one who did what was necessary. But God was so gracious that even the faith to believe was given to you. He gave us a measure of faith as a pre-gift so that we would believe and place that very faith that was originally His to begin with in Him. We're just giving back to Him what's already His. (laughs) So that we couldn't take credit. From the outset, the work has done... the work that was done for us and given to us was through Christ and Christ alone. We can say it like, y'all need to get this book. Watchman Me, nee, this is how he described it. He said this, the secret of deliverance from sin is not doing something but to rest on what God has done. So basically, this is going to be hard for some of us, The things that we've experienced in our lives, When it comes to our salvation, when it comes to what Christ has done on the cross, when it comes to the resurrection, how it frees us from everything that's dead in us. Basically, what's with me and what Paul is saying here in Ephesians is that you don't need to try harder. You need to trust more. Well, Derek, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. No, you didn't. You got your truck tires dirty. Whatever. You're still dead without Christ. But he goes on to say, and I love, of course, this is my favorite chapter, so of course, I love every word of this. I love this, Listen to this. It says, for we are his workmanship. Ooh, I'm going to We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for the good works for which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. That word workmanship, right there, I don't know if you know this or not, but it from, comes from this Greek word, poetis, which means poem or poetry. You are God's song to the world. But this, is Paul, this is Paul telling us, literally, that we are Christ's song, or his masterpiece, or his workmanship. You are his display. You are his billboard. You are his vehicle to the world. Not because of anything you have done. Because <laughs> you were dead. But the reason you're a masterpiece, the reason you're a song, the reason you're a poem, the reason you're a work of art is because he's taken you from this to this. You're a picture of his grace and mercy for the world. So then why do we treat people so differently? Why is it so hard for us to show grace and mercy to the we live, work, and play with? We are his song. It's a beautiful song. He goes on to say, don't forget that you are Gentiles. In fact, because Ephesus was not a Jewish community. It was actually a Greek community. Gentiles. The uncircumcised. You know, the dirty people. It's us. <laughs> don't forget that you are Gentiles. In fact, you used to be called uncircumcised by those who take pride and being circumcised. A weird thing to take pride in, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> At that time, you did not know about Christ. You were foreigners to the people of Israel, and you had no part in the promises that God had made to them. Because if it wasn't for Christ, <laughs> you'd be gone, you know what I'm saying? You were living in this world without hope and without God. And you were far from God, but Christ offered his life's blood as a sacrifice and brought you near to God. Let me reread it because I don't think I'll get it. And you were far from God, but Christ offered his life's blood as a sacrifice and brought you near to God. That's us in this room. Those that were not a part of God's chosen people now, because of Christ's work, He has brought us in and made us not only a part of His family but co-heirs, seated with Him in glory. This goes back to when we what we read last week in Ephesians one and four, when it says, "Before the world was created, God had Christ. God had Christ choose up, choose us to live with Him and to be His holy and innocent and loving people. God was kind and decided that Christ." would choose us to be God's own adopted children. That means he chose you. When you feel like you're lonely, feel like nobody wants you, feels like no one, hear God say, you are mine. Like I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. You are mine. You have value. You have value. Ephesians 2, 14 says this. Our reconciling, or the thing that brought us back, Our reconciling peace is jesus nothing else nothing else Not your kids not your wife Nothing, nothing else Our reconciling peace is jesus. He has made jew and non-jew one in christ by dying as our sacrifice He has broken down every wall of prejudice So if you hate somebody based on the place the the, geographic area from where they come from or the color of their skin and I would question if you're really a believer G- and believer in God because he has brought us together He's broken down everything Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-jew one in Christ by dying as our sa- as our sacrifice He has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal to our union with Christ So I don't care how you walked in here the color of your skin or where you came from, or your social economic standing, or your status, or if you're a CEO, or if you're a janitor, I don't care how you walked in here. This verse tells us that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Doesn't matter. I don't care what's in your bank account. I don't care how much good works you've done. I don't care about any of that. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all have to approach Jesus the same. You want to know how we approach Jesus? We don't. He approaches us and says, I choose you. That's why we can just sit with boldness. Just tell me. Just tell me. We all come to salvation the same way. We are are all equal, no matter status, race. But the question becomes, how did he do this? How did he do it? How did he do it? I'm glad you asked, Joe. (laughs) Ephesians 2.15 says, By abolishing the law, of, command, of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and my and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Because not only were there, was there hostility between us as humans, but there's hostility between us and God. And he says, so since you couldn't, know, since the, really the law was put into place to show us that we couldn't meet the standards of God, he came to show us, you know what, I'm gonna wipe that clean, all you have to do is trust in me. Don't try harder. Because remember, this shows you that you can't. Law shows you you can't. It's kind of just a couple times in Hebrews where he says the law, like he came to show us that the law actually hides he our sin because now we knew we were sinning, right? He goes, don't follow that. Don't like it's good to follow that, but don't base your salvation on that. Base it on what Christ did on the cross. He is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and everything that's that saves us. And might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near or who think they're near. You know what I'm saying? If you look at those people he interacted with in the Bible, those religious people who thought they were real close to God, he was like, you're just to watch tombs. You're still death on the inside. For through him we both have access and access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You are not of this world. Well, can you believe the government's doing that? Well, it ain't my government. My king is Jesus, and I'm waiting for him to come back and take me back to my kingdom. You know what I'm saying? So I can sit on that throne next to him in glory. Fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom in whom the whole structure, like everything, is centered upon Christ. Not preachers, not church buildings, not anything. Its, it's the cornerstone is Jesus, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And I love this next verse because it gives you a picture of what this temple is. And who we are now that we've been brought from death to life. Now we I said the first three chapters is about your position in Christ, right? You want to know your position in Christ? You ready? Verse 22 says this. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place. Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. You mean me? You mean I'm a walking holy of holies? Jesus dwells in me? now the Holy of Holies is transportable so wherever I step is holy ground holy this means that God is transforming each one of you into holy, into the Holy of Holies his dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you and I, my question this morning is this how many of us are walking in that or are we continuously walking in defeat like I'll never be good enough Jesus says no you are the, my dwelling place I'm no longer in, in a building behind a, a veil. It was ripped to him from the cross. Now I dwell in you. You are the picture. You are the walking billboard. You are my temple. With all the shattered stained glass window, my light's gonna shine through. Are you gonna start walking like it? Or are you gonna keep living in the same rut that you've been living in for years? Because you're if you're a believer in Jesus, you're not dead anymore. Quit acting like. It. Walk out of him grave clothes. Going back to the story of the that I talked about last week, I think, and maybe the week before, the prodigal son. Right? The story's not really about the son, but it is. It's about the father, who, even though his son went and squandered everything away, he was still his son. And the, the father was sitting on the front porch just saying waiting for my son to turn around as soon as he turns around i'm sprinting off this porch and i'm meeting him on the robe and i'm telling everybody i'm telling all my serpents get the finest robe get that rig and put it on that sucker for my son has come back that's what your father's wanting. it don't matter I don't care how you walk in here how far away you think you've gotten or how far away you think you are your creator in heaven and your father in heaven is waiting for you to return That's the good news of the gospel. It's not about how bad you are, it's about how good he is. But the question is, are you going to accept it? Like this morning, my life to Christ. And if that's you, we didn't plan this. Well, we kind of talked about it before the service, but we're going to sing another part of the song. Come accept Jesus for the first time in your life. And listen. It's not, hey, don't be embarrassed because listen, we'll celebrate with you. I will jump, I will smash my guitar on the stage, I'll do what, like, I I won't do that because it's a lot of money. But we will celebrate, there'll be people in here dancing, I get that holy dance going, you know. Or maybe you're here, you know what, you said, you know, you say, I'm a a believer in Christ, I've been walking in death, like, I've been walking in defeat, not walking as if I'm carrying the holy of holies with me. This place is open. You can walk brand new this morning. You can walk out of here with your head held high and just say, you know what? My daddy's proud of me. Because I'm going to walk out of my grave clothes today because they're already unwrapped. <laughs> but God, I want to thank you so much. that I get to be part of the greatest story ever told. Not that you make bad people good, but that you've made this dead man come alive. God, I want to thank you that because of the cross, we have new life. Because of the cross, because of the resurrection, God, we have victory in you that we can defeat death. Not just death at the end of this life, but death, those dead things that are in us, those hurts that are in us, that leave us broken. Whatever the case is, past family hurts, what that person did to us, it's left us dead inside. The person in leave, whatever the case may be, God may someone want accept you for the first time here today. And may somebody just walk out of here with a new life. Life that was already theirs, and now they're going to walk in it give them the boldness to step out and come to, and sit at your feet. I brought us in your name.